Welcome to the Consecrating Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Elena Vorta. Today, my guest is Sister Lisa L. Harkness, who served as the first counselor in the primary general presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from 2018 to 2021. Sister Harkness was born in Los Angeles, California. She served in the Louisiana Baton Rouge Mission in Spanish. At BYU, she earned a bachelor's degree in political science and secondary teaching and a minor in Spanish. She and her husband, David, live in Alpine, Utah. They had five children. She and her husband are about to leave to serve as mission leaders in the Canada-Montreal Mission. I was thrilled to be able to talk to her. She was so kind and had great insights. We talked about so many different things and I'm so excited to share this interview with you. I I saw that you actually, you studied secondary teaching and that's what I'm trying to do with my grad school. So yes. Oh, are you? Honey, that's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, you'll love it. It's just really funny. You know, some people say, oh, teenagers are so hard. And mm-hmm. I actually think they're just like big puppies. <laughs> they're just, they're just trying to figure out where they are That's in the true. world and what they're, what they're, how they fit in. And mm-hmm. it's just this, this journey of discovery. And it's just For so sure. fun to even see it happen firsthand. Yeah, it's you'll, true. you'll love it. Yes. You'll love it. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody yesterday that like these young years where you don't know what you're doing with your life, it's actually exciting like to not know. It is. It's a little little nerve-wracking but at the same time oh what fun you get to figure it out for sure well thanks for coming on my podcast I love you so (laughs) I love you right back and I just wish I could just hug you just like this yes me too (laughs) you are so cute anything you ask I would do Elena oh thank you I appreciate that and I love your whole family and Uh I I miss your parents. Yes. I just love them. Yeah, so most... you promised you'll say hello to them for oh, us. Oh, for sure. You? Yes, for sure. They loved traveling with you. Like, they really missed that, so. Oh, we had so much fun. And your dad, oh, he kept us laughing so hard. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just love him. And I adore your mother. Oh, I thanks. I I know you do, too. Yes, I do. So... I would love to know, like, what kind of responsibilities did you have with your calling in the primary general presidency? Oh, that's a great, a great question mm-hmm. to start off with, Elena. Um, we kind of shared many responsibilities, but yet we all took uh, different ones uh, and would, would help to monitor those individually as well. Mm-hmm. For myself, I, it was kind of a curriculum. I oversaw curriculum and technology. Uh, the website and new technologies that would would uh, come out like the new little app for children. Um, I kind of helped to oversee that just a bit. Um, it's hard to say that any one of us did anything by ourselves because we really worked as a presidency in everything we did. Um, like Sister, um, Sister Franco was on the new uh, songbook committee and so she kind of oversaw that. And yet she told us all the things that were going on. So we felt a part of it all the time. So mm-hmm. those are kind of the things that I worked on um, more just in, in, my, in my area. But really, we worked on everything all together. I understand that you were also on the communications committee. So what did that entail? In that assignment, um, it's, it's just so great because the sisters are involved at, at all levels. 
in the church. And it's just, it was so fun to be a part of that. Um, my assignment for the whole three years that I was there was on the church communication committee. And it was also the government relations uh, committee as well. So uh, we had meetings every week and we talked about and got updates on laws and uh, different articles and news things and uh, different ways to relate uh, with, with governments and with institutions all over the world. And it was very, very fascinating. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I was a political science major in college. And so when I got that assignment, I was thrilled because I thought, this is something that I really have an interest in. I was really excited to do that. So as part of that, um, I would get assignments from time to time to do different things. I um, got to go back to Washington, D.C. and participate in the National Day of Prayer, which was a really a great privilege for me to meet lots of wonderful people that believe in Jesus Christ. And that was just such a, an honor. And then uh, sometimes to be a spokesperson for the church on a different uh, uh, issue. Uh, I, had, I, I talked about marijuana at the very, very beginning when uh, the church um, and its coalition uh, talked about marijuana and, uh, and really, um, you know, against the legislation in Utah. So anyway, um, those are kind of some of the things that um, I did when I was there. That's so cool. Yeah, I think it's important to be involved in in politics and things like that when you're a Christian, because we just don't see enough like good in the world. So I, I love that you were involved with that. Is there any like experiences that stick out to you from serving in this calling, like from traveling or anything like that? Oh, yes, there are lots of them. Traveling, of course, um, and seeing the saints all over the world and and Elena, you know, I got to travel with your mom yes. on two assignments, one to Central America and one to South America. Mm -hmm. And it was just a great privilege to be able to see the saints and to feel of their faith and their commitment to living the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was overpowering sometimes. Um, my heart would be so full of love for these people that I had never met. And yet I felt like I knew them because mm -hmm. of the shared covenant that we had made together. And, and so um, my heart grew more than I knew it was capable of. You know, I thought when mm -hmm. I was a mom that, boy, that was a, a big step in my life and my heart grew really big and watching my children grow and, and of course be born and everything. But uh, this was a different type of, of expansion of love that I had not quite anticipated. So it was, that, that was awesome. Yes. Um, you asked about experiences that really stick out. Mm -hmm. um, and there's maybe two others I'll just share. Sure. Um, the one is uh, I always knew that we were led by a prophet of God. But boy, do I know that now. Mm -hmm. We are led by a prophet of God. God loves us so much that he gives us prophets. And I, I got to see that firsthand in, in a way that I will, I will forever be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I wanted to share, a, an experience that really sticks out, and it's not a singular experience, it's more, um, uh, it happened many times. And that is how revelation comes to a group or to a presidency. There can be no conflict or competition or contention when you're seeking revelation all those things have to go away because if there if there's any bit of that the door is shut mm -hmm. and it's almost like 
you well it's you you can't you can't hear his voice you can't know his will uh when you're listening to contentious feelings or competitive type feelings so i learned in a very um tangible way that in order to receive revelation from god i had to rid myself of feelings of contention or competition or conflict in any way so that i could more fully hear his voice Wow, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, that's happened in my own life too. Um, where I just sometimes I just need to apologize to somebody before I can receive revelation. So that's I love that. Thank you. <laughs> so since you were on the primary, I was wondering if you have any like suggestions or examples on how wards can focus on children. Oh, I really do. And and boy, we could talk for an hour just on this topic alone. <laughs> You know, sometimes, and I don't know why it is, but sometimes when we look out over a congregation of, you know, an award or a branch, or even if we're gathered as a stake, sometimes we have a tendency to only look at those who are adults or who are young men or young women. Mm -hmm. And we fully ignore that there are other members of the church there, but just they just happen to be a little younger. They're not quite young men or young women age. They're eight or nine or 10 or 11, almost going into young men, young women. Mm -hmm. And they have made the same exact covenant as we have to follow Jesus Christ and to take upon ourselves his name. And so when we overlook them, we're overlooking a big part of the church. Can mm -hmm. you imagine a bishop standing at the pulpit and completely ignoring people, let's say from 30 to 41, and just looking mm -hmm. right over them. Mm -hmm. That doesn't that doesn't happen, right? But sometimes, mm -hmm. not bishops do this, but sometimes adults, we just completely overlook the children and don't realize that they're about to be baptized or have just recently been baptized. And oh, do they need us to notice them? Could I actually give you an example from my own life? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, when I was a kid, apparently one of my home teachers would come over and he would only focus on me and my brothers. Like he wouldn't really talk to my parents as much, but he would talk to us, the kids. So I actually thought that was really sweet. I'm so glad you had that experience, Elena, mm -hmm. in your young life. I know other children who did not have the same experience as you. Mm -hmm. And um, wow, to have a, a home or a visiting teacher and what we would call them now a ministering brother or sister, right? To recognize you in that family and to make you really the, the chief or the, the main person in the family. Oh, how fortunate you were oh, that all children would feel that um, attended to and that noticed and that recognized. Oh, that would do so much for their feeling of belonging in the ward both when they're young and then also as they enter young men or young women age. For sure. I love that. Thank you. Um, so I have so many random things I want to talk to you about. Um, so you just got called as a mission president with your husband in the Canada-Montreal mission. So mm -hmm. how are you preparing for that? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I wish you were here and I could show you one of the rooms in my house, it is a disaster because I'm putting everything I think I want to take into that room. 
and it's just it's just a jumbled mess. In fact, I, I'm speaking to you from a room that's not that room because it's so messy. I can't even think in that room anymore. Anyway, um, what are we doing to prepare? You know, to tell you the honest truth, when we got the calling, we felt a little overwhelmed. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's a very normal feeling mm-hmm. um, because we thought, really, us? We're just we're just two regular people, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, we thought, do we know enough? And then the feeling came you know enough, you know the gospel, mm-hmm. you're going to be just fine. You keep your covenants, you're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. The things about learning, um, you know, to be a mission president and companion, you can learn, right? You can prepare, but the basics of knowing the gospel and living the gospel, that's something you do over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And we feel pretty good about that. We, mm-hmm. we feel pretty confident about that. I'm having to learn some French and I don't speak French. And if you asked me a few words, I probably could say a few words and maybe recite the first article of faith and that's mm-hmm. it. Right. And I need to brush up on my Spanish because I hear I'm going to be using more and more Spanish mm-hmm. there. And I think I have English sort of down. I don't know. I'm going to try that. <laughs> but And so I'm preparing. I Actually, I was supposed to have my testimony in French memorized before my tutoring session tomorrow at nine o'clock. So oh. I got some work to do, some homework to do later tonight. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what we're doing to prepare. Of course, we're saying goodbye to family members. We're selling our home and we sold all of our furniture and we're selling our cars. And so we're we're going to be homeless and stuffless as we head to Montreal uh, for three years. And we can hardly wait. That's so wonderful. I'm so jealous of the missionaries that you're going to be over because I think you guys are going to be amazing. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm excited for you. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Well, okay, I know that even though you're in the primary, I'm sure that you also love young adults. So I would just love to hear, like, what, how do you think that young adults can contribute to the work? Oh, I love this question. And you're right. I do love young adults. In fact, before I got the calling in the primary, I was working with young adults Mm -hmm. down at the BYU campus. And so is my husband. In fact, a lot of our life uh, for my husband and I has been serving with young adults and youth. And so I have I have a lot to say, or I have a lot of thoughts on this, this topic. How can they contribute? How can young adults contribute to the work? That's the question, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Well, there are, are more ways than we have fingers or toes. Mm-hmm. There are so many ways that we can contribute. It, whether we're old whether we're young, whether we're just newly baptized, whether we're 14 or whether we're 44, whether we're a mother with 10 children or whether we are a widow mm-hmm. or we've never been married. Mm-hmm. Our contributions, every single one of us are so valued and uh, what we have to offer is is so important to the Lord. I, I don't think, Elena, that we fully grasp or understand how intricate God's placement of our lives is. And by that, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we fully, fully grasp how important it is that we were born where we were born, when we were born, and, and have the talents and gifts and abilities that we have. None of this is by accident. Mm-hmm. He's placed us in situations and places where we can contribute. He knows and expects us to use the gifts and talents that he's given us to do what he needs us to do. And so developing those gifts and talents is really contributing. 
And of course, living true to our covenants is contributing. Mm -hmm. And uh, loving others is contributing. And inviting others to know more about the gospel is contributing. And helping unite families for eternity is contributing. There are so many ways. We're not limited to our um, the capacity of our contributions because of our age. Never, 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 never. Mm -hmm. We all have things to offer, um, irregardless of our age or marital status or sex. The Lord does not put uh, qualifications for who can can work, except for those that are willing and worthy. That's it. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's helpful to know that we don't have to fit a certain mold to do the Lord's work. My final question for you would be the question that I ask all my guests, which is, what does it mean to you to consecrate your life to the Savior, Jesus Christ? Oh, I love that question. And that uh, might make me cry (laughs) (laughs) because I take that very seriously. To consecrate means to make sacred or to make holy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something we know we have to be to stand in his presence again someday. So I think about that every day, believe it or not. That's something I intentionally think about. Okay, what am I going to do today that I can be a little more like him, to be a little more holy, to be a little more consecrated if you're going to use that, that word that way, so that I could be worthy to stand in his presence, fully knowing that it's the Savior's blood, his atoning sacrifice that will prepare me to get there and qualify me to get there, right? Mm-hmm. But yet I have to do my part. And consecrating for me is making sure I'm more like God than the world. It means listening to his words and not the opinions of the world. It means listening to the words and counsel of his prophet and not to, I don't know, just society or trends or, you know, things that are just so transitory. Consecration to me is everything. I, I, when I took upon myself the name of Jesus Christ, I meant it. I, I, I meant it. I, I, I intend to do everything all in my power to follow him, knowing I'm going to make mistakes, knowing I'm going to err, knowing I'm going to, to not be perfect in it. I don't, I don't care about that because I know I, I can repent and try again, mm-hmm. right? We don't need to be perfect to consecrate ourselves. We mm-hmm. don't need to be perfect to live a consecrated life. But we do have to try. We do have to put energy and effort into that. And, you know, all the temple covenants that we take upon ourselves those great rich blessings. When we covenant to do the things we do in the temple, I don't know about you, but I, I mean it. And mm-hmm. I think when we mean it, the Lord takes us up on our, on our, on our promises. I'm feeling that right now. I'm feeling that, you know, leaving my home, my grandchildren, the things that I like to do, all that. I, I, I would gladly do that because my life is his. If he asks, I will do. And if he says, go here, I say, great, when should I pack? And um, I try to do it in his way. Consecrating our lives to him is such a great blessing because we can turn ourselves over to him and let him guide us rather than us always having to to try to figure it out on our own. It is Mm -hmm. a great purifying 
adventure. Wow, that was amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you for being on my podcast. Oh, thank you for asking me, Elena. It's yes. a pleasure. It's mm -hmm. such a pleasure to talk to you. I love you dearly. I love you too. My thanks to Sister Harkness and thank you for listening. If you don't already, follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, at ConsecratingPod. And if you like what you hear, leave a rating or comment or subscribe. And we'll see you next time.